there, welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do, that we do. And this week, we are doing our first animated film on Shoot the Flick. It has taken us three seasons, well really two and a half, to get to an animated film. Yeah, that's a weird thing that... It's taken us that long to get to an animated film. Especially for me, because I'm quite the Disney nerd, but, you know, we we held out for a very special movie. We held out for (gasps) Kiki's Delivery Service, released in 1989. However, the version of it that we watched is actually the English-dubbed version that came out in the late 90s. That's the movie that I grew up with as a child. And uh, we we will talk about that too sweet. But Scott, tell us your general beginning thoughts. Not too much detail for as we have not gotten into the nitty gritty just yet. But how did you feel about this picture? So I know the legend of Miyazaki, who is the creative mind behind Studio Ghibli. Yes. I've seen other, like I've seen My Neighbor Totoro. I've seen Princess Mononoke which are both amazing films and they're beautiful to look at and they tell such a symbolic story. Mm -hmm. This feels very much more easy to get into. Yes. um, I like to call Kiki's Delivery Service Baby's First Ghibli Film because that's basically what it is. Now, the other Ghibli films... Like Scott mentioned, My Neighbor Totoro, Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, things of that nature are a little more adults, perhaps, kind of heavier themes, a little more fleshed out as far as symbolism. The run times are generally much longer, <laughs> but this movie really is a fun kids movie. It's very much a coming-of-age tale about a young girl in the big city. For kids like me that grew up in the 90s, I mean, I I had this on a big VHS clamshell growing up. It's definitely much different from other movies of Hayao Miyazaki. However, it, it definitely opens the door for future Ghibli fans to enjoy his other works. This film was written, directed, and co-produced by Hayao Miyazaki. This came out the year after My Neighbor Totoro, and it's based on a novel by Aiko Kadono. It's a universally beloved film with a budget of $6 million, one of the most expensive anime films at that time, and it had a worldwide gross of $41 million, probably a lot due to this later Disney release because it also has a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 98%. Yeah, there's nothing in this that I would classify as unbelievably amazing. You're right, it is like your introduction into the Ghibli world. This was not the one that I initially watched. I think the first one I ever watched was Princess Mononoke. But it's such a nice story, and the art of animation is so beautiful to just look at. You can't help but get drawn into the world. Yeah. I I completely agree, but I do think it's really funny if you if you've watched Kiki's Delivery Service growing up, but you for some reason never watched another Ghibli film. I feel like the transition would be kind of uh, jarring. It was for me at first. I think after 
watching this as a kid i didn't watch another miyazaki film until years later when i was an adult like after college maybe and i believe i also saw princess mononoke before anything and um yeah it was i mean it's a great movie but it's definitely like uh miles and miles difference between this and (laughs) things like princess mononoke but overall it was really nice to revisit it and to revisit the the voice acting in particular with one character which we'll talk about but uh i'm i'm like ready to talk about this (laughs) yeah i'm definitely ready to get into the nitty and the gritty all righty so the story is very simple in this movie. We start off with our titular character, Kiki. And she is a 13-year-old girl who is a witch. And she's got a very iconic outfit going on in this movie. She's got like a little mini muumuu type dress. And it's all black and little black flats and a big red bow on top of her head. And that's her outfit. Yeah, that's her outfit. Pretty much for the rest of the movie. It's literally like the easiest Halloween costume you could probably ever get, which is great. (laughs) It works for me. I don't know. Michael Myers is pretty easy, too, at this point. It's a jumpsuit and a mask. Yeah, well, you'd have to buy the mask, though, Scott. I mean, I feel like most girls can probably wrangle the parts together for a Kiki costume, you know, flying by the seat of her pants. But she is a young witch preparing for her training, which means she has to, at 13 years old, leave her home and her family to just go live by herself in some other random place and just be by herself and learn witchy things. It's not really made clear, like, why this is a thing or how, but Kiki listens on the radio to the news report saying it's going to be a clear sky tonight and a full moon so she wants to go and start her journey now i feel like that's especially late 80s early 90s in multiple cultures not just uh, japanese culture there were movies and games like pokemon i think you're like a 12 year old who goes out on their own Yeah, well, this whole movie has a a very overarching theme of coming of age and all those things. And really, in any coming of age movie, no matter what region you're coming from, the idea of, especially in movies, just sending a bunch of kids out into the world to figure it out, it's not a new thing, you know? Like, I'm sure when you watch certain movies like, you know, The Goonies or Stand By Me, and you're just like, where are your fucking parents? What are you guys doing? Fucking home alone. I mean, we know where his parents were, but that kind of thing. It's kind of like a fantasy thing for kids where it's like, I want to be like Kiki. I want to be like Macaulay Culkin beating the shit out of robbers with Hot Wheels. <laughs> I want to be like Ash Ketchum and become a Pokemon master. The other question I asked Frankie, because immediately I'm like, so in this world, is it just accepted that there are witches? <laughs> yeah, because at one point she's going to leave. All these kids and like neighborhood people are just gathered around, like talking. Like, oh, are you gonna, are you gonna fly on your broomstick? Are you gonna do this? And Scotch is like, so this is just a thing that witches exist. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's it's fine for a wolf to play basketball. There is nothing in the rules that a wolf can't play basketball. How many times will we get a reference Teen Wolf? <laughs> this random movie that no one cares about from the '80s. At least this '80s movie people care about. So we didn't mention also 
because like I said, this is an English dub, so we have some uh, some American actors showing themselves here. We have Kristen Dunst at about 15, 16 years old playing our titular character. And she has, like many witches do, just generally from like the lore of witchery, uh, she has a familiar, a little kitty cat, black cat named Gigi, who is my favorite character in the whole movie, always has been, always will be. Mm. Gigi forever. <laughs> now, before you get into Gigi's voice actor, when did Sabrina the Teenage Witch come out? I, pro- I would assume in the 90s because Clarissa Explains It All was in the early 90s, maybe late 80s. So Sabrina the Teenage Witch had to be late 90s. Let's find out. Hold on. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. So 1996 it came out and there were seven seasons of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. What the fuck? It was not on for seven years. And, Good God and, Almighty. Well, anyway. And they just rebooted it, too. Oh, well, yeah, but not the Melissa Joan Hart version. No. So. Yes. So, it, it's, it, I guess witchery was a thing in the 90s. Witchery and also because, black cats yeah, and Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. We talked about on the show, too. Yeah, it's a thing. Literally, it's this movie and... Probably uh, Sabrina's Teenage Witch, too, because I love Salem on that show. And Hocus Pocus with Thackeray Binks. I'm sure I mentioned it when we talked about that movie, but, like, I'm not really a cat person. I'm more of a doggo gal myself. But if I were to ever get a cat, ever, 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 I would want it to be a black cat. I would accept nothing less. (laughs) But I I do wonder if Thackeray Binks, if Salem, if that was inspired by Miyazaki. It might have. Ben, I mean, I don't know popularity-wise, because obviously this movie came out in Japan in 89, but I don't know how much, like, before it came out through the Disney dub, how popular it was in America. I mean, by this point, Miyazaki had already come out with, like, three or four other films, but I I don't know how popular he was in the States by that point. I'm not sure, but... I will say that similar to Salem, actually, in Sabrina's Teenage Witch, Gigi is a sarcastic bitch, although he wasn't in the Japanese version. In the Japanese version, Gigi is played by a female voice actor, and she is nowhere near as salty and sassy as the Gigi in this movie, who is played by late great comedian Phil Hartman. This was his last voiceover performance before his death in uh, 98. Unfortunately, he, he passed away in a very tragic way. But um, it's fucking great. And I, before we watched the movie, I was like, okay, you're not going to know any of the voice actors in this, but you might know one of them. So just listen, listen out for it. And then when he started talking, I'm like, do, do you know? Do you know who it is? Do you know? And Scott's like, who? Is, I don't know who. I'm like... It's Phil Hartman. He has a very distinctive voice. Have you ever heard the expression, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade, and then toss it in the face of the person who gave you the lemons until they give you the oranges you asked for in the first place? Honestly, I, the amount of Phil Hartman I've seen is... I mean, SNL, news radio, yeah, but... Jingle All the Way. Scott's never seen Jingle All the Way. He's a 90s kid who's never seen Arnold Schwarzenegger's Jingle All the Way. He doesn't know the glory of Turbo Man, guys. Like, I don't understand 
how I married this man and I didn't know this until like very recently. We might have to do that like for my Christmas episode. I'm not sure, but like we might have to make it happen. Oh boy. Oh, Arnold. But anywho, yeah, Gigi's literally the best character because he is like our sarcastic king and we love him and I literally before we moved I was like looking online on I think Pinterest or something when I still did Pinterest I don't really do Pinterest anymore but I was looking for like home decor stuff and because of my nerdiness something popped up where it was like a a planter like for plants that was just Gigi and I was like oh I want it but then I'm like I don't fucking have plants what am I gonna do with this thing (laughs) I didn't buy it because I was like, I don't do plants. But like, it's I just love Gigi. We have a patio now, dear. Yeah, but what? I don't, I have to water plants. I'm not going to do that. It rains enough. I mean, it's hot out here, guys. I don't know if, I mean, for those of you that live in the South, hats off to you. It's hot as balls. It's hot as Satan's dickhole in, in North Carolina. You could so, say on the callback from last week, it's the devil's anus. It's the devil's anus. Ugh. And now that we've talked about the devil's anus, let's go back to this children's movie from 1998. So <laughs> Kiki and Gigi fly away on the broomstick and the beauty, the grace with which Kiki flies in this movie is unparalleled. Such such class, such grace. She's Miss America or Miss Japan, whichever version you're watching. And um, she like hits several trees and bushes and houses and walls and things as she flies around. And it's great because we love a clumsy bitch. She is a bumper car. I mean, she made me feel a lot better as a child for being a clumsy bitch. Let me tell you. I, I felt her. I felt her spirit. Kiki decides she's going to fly towards the ocean because she likes the ocean and she basically has to like find a little town and just like make her own way. She's making her way downtown flying fast and she's just got to figure it out <laughs> wild style. And that's I don't I'm going to make all the references to 90s things in this episode. So as she's flying towards the ocean trying to figure shit out, uh, we get our opening credit song. Another thing that's different from the Japanese version with the English dub is that they added two original songs in there, an opening credit song and a closed credit song, and they're both done by a woman named Sydney Forrest, and this first one is called, guess what, Soaring, because <gasps> she's flying. We're soaring, flying. There's not a star in heaven that we can't reach. Guess what the closing credit song's gonna be? Is it gonna be a reference to flying? Because she's a witch? I don't know. Let's find out. We'll find out together. Hang in there. Stay tuned. Anyway, so so, um, she decides to settle on this seaside city. Which reminds me a lot of like an Italian villa. Well, that's very interesting that you say that, Scotty. This city is called Corico, and it is a fictional city that was inspired by several different places kind of mishmashed together. It was inspired by uh, Stockholm in Sweden, Paris, San Francisco, and Milan. And apparently I read something else that really has no bearing on the actual 
movie but i just i thought it was such a weird fact i had to throw it in uh, apparently the story takes place in an alternate 1950s universe in europe where world war one and world war two never happened i don't know why that's mentioned in the trivia for this <laughs> but well, it's mentioned okay well if you think about it just for shits and giggles because now sure. i'm gonna think about this i mean half of this episode already has been shits and gigs so why not yeah, uh so <laughs> the only real technology that's advanced is the blimp technology which they're all still amazed about which blimps became a big thing in i think world war one don't quote me my history is a little rusty without all of the technology and the advancement of technology that happened because of those two major wars in a society where magic can still exist you kind of be like oh yeah we can still kind of rely on magic instead of it just being a technological wonder of a world that happened after world war ii well what's interesting about how the general public treats magic and witches in this universe they're still seen as kind of like anomalies right but no one like no one's running around you know with fucking pitchforks and torches saying burn the witch at the stake or anything but no one's also selling t-shirts saying a witch can play basketball what oh you're calling back to teen wolf stop it (laughs) no one cares about teen wolf I showed you that movie, and guess what? I don't even care about Teen Wolf. The point is, is that witches generally in this universe are just seen as a cool, like, ooh, how how fun, how exciting, how unique. Or they're seen as, like, a weird inconvenience. Like, some of the people in this town look at Kiki as if she is, like, a homeless person on the street panhandling for money but you're like oh that's nice honey but i don't want to give you money because you might spend it on booze so i'm just gonna quietly walk away well it's funny because so kiki came from a small town which had her mother as the witch and the town seemed to kind of rally around their family her mom made healing potions and shit like that but now she's a little girl in the big city. Yes, but the difference is now she's in the big city, which clearly has gone away from its humble roots where witchcraft can be kind of more accepted and they have embraced technology. Right. I mean, Gigi looks at the fucking town and he looks out at the ocean. And he's like, it just looks like a big puddle of water to me. And I'm like, yes, Gigi, I, I understand you. You don't give any fucks about anything. But after... Kiki kind of comes in the town. First of all, she makes quite the splash. Uh, She's already being chased by a traffic cop within the first two minutes of entering this town. But fortunately, the cop is distracted by a young boy screaming for help. And he runs off and Kiki kind of slinks away. Then the little boy catches up with Kiki and he's like, oh, hey, I I distracted that cop so you could get away. You're welcome. And this is Tombo. Um, Tombo, I love Tombo so much. I was so happy to see him. He's the most awkward, nerdy sweetheart you will ever meet in your life. And he's voiced by Matthew Lawrence. And Tombo is terrible at flirting. Yes, Tombo sucks. But, I mean, you you were a 12, 13-year-old boy at one time, Scott. You were not great at flirting, I'm sure. I got you. I mean, yeah, but... (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but, like, you know, us 13-year-olds, we don't have, like, the highest of standards. How? Well, I'm just (laughs) kidding. I'm married to you now. Yeah. Listen, (laughs) listen. You did all right. 
Anyway, I did great. Tombo did all right too. He just, you know, it took him a minute, but he he got there eventually. The main things we need to know about Tombo are as follows. Tombo is nerdy boy. He has red and white striped shirt and jeans and glasses, and he wears them at all time. Tombo rides bike. Tombo likes to fly, and he likes planes and anything that flies in the air. Therefore, he likes Kiki, and that's that's it. And Kiki immediately tells him to fuck off because he did not formally introduce himself. He kind of just came up to her and started jabbering senselessly. So she, you know, runs away and then comes to the realization that, oh, I have no money and no place to stay and no one that I know here. And I just blew off the one person that took interest in me. Oh, no. What am I to do? I have nowhere to go. And it's raining and it's cold and I'm hungry. So luckily, she meets this very nice bakery owner. And her name is Asona. She's running out of her bakery with a pacifier in her hand. And she's running after this lady with her baby that was a recent customer. And she's like, oh, no, the baby dropped a pacifier. Oh, the baby's going to be upset later. Oh, well, I don't know what to do. So Kiki's like, oh, I will deliver the pacifier for you, ma'am. I can fly on my magic broomstick and I'll get there lickety split. So <laughs> she grabs the pasty and she goes and gives it back to the mom. And Oh, but it's great because she just jumps over a wall that clearly has like a huge drop and so was like oh my god a <laughs> small child yeah it's like back to the future too where like marty's on the edge of the fucking building and he's just like okay well you're gonna shoot me biff all right bye and then he falls up the building <laughs> onto the car he's like oh shit so asono is voiced by tress mcneil who has done a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of voice acting. She's done Futurama. She's done The Simpsons. She's done Rugrats. She plays Dot on Animaniacs. She's a queen and we love her. Dot, may I call you Dot? Yeah, but call me Dottie and you die. But yeah, she's just a genuinely caring person who be like, Hey, I have an apartment upstairs. You can stay upstairs. Yeah, she basically offers her spare room in exchange for, like, help at the bakery. And, you know, Kiki eventually kind of develops her own little side business in the bakery called <clears throat> Kiki's Delivery Service. Ah, ah, he said it! He said it! And it's funny because there's a couple of moments here. And I don't know why they're included, but where Gigi is kind of messing around with, like, Osono and Osono's husband... And they both wink at Gigi. Like, they know that Gigi's magical. They know. Well, because you asked me at one point, like, wait, does everyone hear Gigi talking or is it just Kiki? I'm like, no, only Kiki hears him talking. Everyone else hears meows. So I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing. I always took it as like, you know, oh, you're a cute little cat and just going to mess with you a little bit. Like, that's all I really took it as. Well, I, I, I wanted to establish headcanon that maybe Osono was once a witch. I don't think that's a thing. Well, she knew about witches. She seems to be the only... Everyone knows that witches exist. <laughs> well, uh, um, well, Tomboy cares because witches fly. But Tombo. Did you Tombo. Tomboy? Tombo, Scott. <laughs> Tombo. God. Only cares because they fly. Tombo rhymes with combo. <laughs> combo breaker. Um... <laughs> 
<laughs> but she knows more than like I feel like the average person knows about witches. I mean, I think you're reading a little too much into this simple children's movie, Scott. I mean, I'm just gonna let you know. You know, maybe because we just went to see Love and Thunder, you're you're thinking in the mindset of like expanded universes and Easter eggs, and I don't think there's any of that in this movie. One day, Doctor Strange will open the portal, and, and Kiki and will Kiki. pop out. Yeah, exactly. It's Kiki's delivery service universe. Um, and just to, since you mentioned uh, Asono's husband, he is like this uh, really beefed up beefcake of a guy who's also a baker in the establishment. And he, I, I did not remember. I thought he didn't say anything throughout the whole movie. And for most of the movie, all you get out of him are grunts and like, Ooh, you know, but then it's like in the last, like, I want to say 10, 20 minutes in the movie, he just says a random line out of nowhere. And I, w- we were shocked. We were like, Oh shit. <laughs> it was funny. I didn't remember that he actually spoke, but he does speak in the movie. It's a miracle. It is. So after like the this whole family kind of dynamic is he bakes like Kiki a sign, which is really cute. Oh yes, he literally makes her a sign out of bread and hangs it in the window. It's very cute and creative. Although I feel like in in the real world, like that would be like a cake boss kind of situation where like no normal person could just whip that up in a day, just on the fly. You know what I mean? Well, I feel like the the. Because it, it's like a reef, kind of. I feel like that that part's easy. Right, but he literally like made, made a, a mini kiki and a cat. There's a cat on it and a broomstick just out of bread, just hanging there in the... Wi- First, it doesn't seem sanitary also that you're hanging actual bread just in the window and leaving it out. Well, like, does, you're going to get mice. <laughs> well, does it go stale? Does he have to replace yes. it every couple of days? Well, no, you can't replace it every... That's such a waste of fucking material. <laughs> it's a waste of bread. You're a bakery. <laughs> That's money you're throwing away. Or does he sell the sign every couple of days to somebody? I mean, I would... Are we sure that that's bread? Maybe it's just like cardboard or something made to look like bread. It doesn't seem financially sound to actually make a a sign out of bread and hang it in your window perpetually. So bakers, we want to know from we want to hear from you. No, we we I mean we do because we like food, but I mean not on this particular this particular subject doesn't matter. If there are any bakers out there that want to send us baked goods, I mean, feel free to hit us up, but like, you know, you don't have to answer the question. We'll, we'll shout you out in the show. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, we will like, but give us cupcakes. <laughs> um, anyway, so now that we've kind of established the situation, Kiki is settled in this little bakery and she is doing her delivery service. And is this how she trains to be a witch? I don't know. I think the training is more like just growing up in the real world and being a real girl. Yeah, she doesn't yeah, she doesn't really train. Yeah, I mean she flies around when she delivers stuff. So I guess that's training witchiness. But like it, is that all one does as a witch? I don't think so cuz the mom makes potions and well, stuff and Kiki makes pancakes. Kiki makes so many pancakes. There's a whole scene where she laments about the fact that she's going to get fat because she eats nothing but pancakes, which, like, is my inner monologue every morning. Gigi, if nobody comes in, I'm going to have to eat pancakes forever and be fat, fat, fat. And what am I supposed to do about that? (laughs) 
<laughs> but Gigi, Gigi's response to that is also my inner monologue in the morning and the one I leave off with where Gigi's just like, well, I like pancakes, so it's fine. And I'm like, yeah, that's where we end up every morning. Yep. So <laughs> anyway, Kiki gets her first customer. This is where hijinks ensue because it's a kid's movie, right? So hijinks ensue. We get our first customer for Kiki. It's a lady who wants a black cat toy delivered to her nephew's birthday party. And the black cat toy looks suspiciously like Gigi. <gasps> See, th- th- I don't like this one. It's, I mean, it's cute. We'll go through the whole thing really quick. But like, it's so obvious within the first two seconds of this person introducing themselves that like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen because this person has a black cat toy that just so happens to look like Kiki's black cat. Gee, I wonder what's going to happen here. Hijinks. So, um, yeah, Kiki... Of course, drops the toy on her journey because she gets chased down by a bunch of fucking birds. And Gigi has to go in the little bird cage that this... Why would a lady also put a black cat toy in a bird cage to give to a child? I don't understand the purpose, but it's fine. Doesn't matter. The point is, Gigi pretends to be the cat toy and meets the family dog named Jeff. The dog is named Jeff. I love it. So while Kiki is going to look for the toy, uh, she meets this lady named Ursula, who's an artist. And she's like, oh, I found the cat toy and he is my friend now, but I'll give him back to you. And basically this whole scene and this whole sequence is just for like funny hijinks with Gigi and the dog. And so Kiki can meet Ursula, who is played by Janine Garofalo. So we get Gigi back and we make the switch because Jeff the dog is awesome and everything works out lovely. Jeff the dog can close doors, guys. Jeff the dog can close doors. Jeff the dog can recognize that this toy cat is a real cat, but realizes that the real cat is a friendly cat. So he just kind of like cuddles him for a while and then he senses when Kiki is there and literally goes to go outside and set him free. Gigi's like, Jeff's a good dog. (laughs) He said he helped me escape. (laughs) If we tell Jeff to bring the toy back in, he probably will. And that's what Jeff does because Jeff gets the job done. Jeff for president. Jeff is the best. Jeff is literally the best, but... Uh, unfortunately Jeff doesn't come back at all in the rest of the film which I think is a travesty but it is what it is so then we get to the second delivery yes this is our next bit of hijinks and of course it involves young Tombo oh Tombo he invites Kiki to a party a party with the aviation club because he likes to fly (laughs) oh get it But Kiki can't go because she ends up getting delayed by work. And that's also kind of a running theme throughout the movie is that, like, she's a witch. So she can't have, like, a normal childhood. And she sees throughout the movie normal kids, normal young girls hanging out and, you know, wearing pretty dresses and running around being all normal and shit. In my opinion, that's kind of boring. But, you know, whatever. She's kind of resentful of that a little bit. So she she finally gets this opportunity to have like a normal interaction with another normal human. So she's like all about it, right? But she has to make this delivery first. So she goes to this old lady's house. And the old lady is voiced by Debbie Reynolds of Halloween Town fame. 
Oh, <laughs> Another so... 90s fucking Halloween film that we've discussed. Uh, that's so mean to Debbie Reynolds. I mean, listen, of course she, listen, the woman wasn't singing in the rain. We know who Debbie Reynolds is, okay? I like Halloween Town, <laughs> so I'm going to say Halloween Town. It's fine. The grandmother is having trouble trying to make her herring and pumpkin pot pie <laughs> for her granddaughter's birthday party. And uh, Kiki helps her out and becomes friends with her. And it's a very sweet scene. And then all of a sudden, you know, she looks at the clock and she's like, oh, I have plenty of time to get to my party. Um, but <laughs> and the old lady goes, oh, my clock runs 10 minutes fast. Which lady... You've been talking to this little girl like literally for hours and you know she has a party to go to. You didn't think to mention, oh, well, keep an eye on that clock because, you know, it runs a little slow. No, didn't mention that at all. So she rushes to take the herring pot pie to the kid's birthday party. The kid is a cunt. And then we proceed to leave in the pouring rain and she's late. And Tombo, poor Tombo, is standing outside waiting for her in a nice little white suit. I don't know what kind of club he's going to wearing this fucking like white tuxedo. He's going to the same club <laughs> where Indiana Jones met. <gasps> Imagine. Oh my God. That would be a crossover <laughs> for the ages. Tombo was going to be in that club, but because Kiki never shows up, he doesn't go to the club and doesn't witness all the chaos that happens that night. This is tripping me out. All this multiverse shit. So it's really sad actually because... She's like really upset and she's soaking wet and she's f flying back to the bakery. And as her and Gigi are flying back, Tombo is, you know, he's finally given up and starts walking away. And Gigi sees him and she's like, we can catch up to him. Come on, come on. And she's like, no, I can't even go to the party. I'm soaking wet. No, fuck it. And it's just, it's so bad. And I feel so bad for her. She ends up getting like a really bad cold and, Osona was like oh you know Tombo came by today he wants to see you da, 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 da. and she's like no I don't want to see Tombo ever again woe is me I am 13 years old and everything bad that happens in my life is the worst thing ever and then Osono does what every smart adult would do and secretly plans a delivery to go to Tombo yeah, she she does she does a real mom move right there, which like she sets up a delivery, gives Kiki the address, and doesn't tell us tell her it's for Tombo, and then she just shows up at Tombo's house, and they like go to hang out, and um, he ends up showing her his flying machine. <laughs> they have a very Doc Brown moment where he like takes her into the garage or whatever, and it's literally just a bike with a fucking propeller on it. <laughs> this is my flying machine, <laughs> and I have to have to pedal really fast. And then I'll eventually put wings on it and fly. I'm like, I don't think that's how that really works, Tombo. But okay. And uh, then we do the downhill slalom. Yeah. That was a fun scene, though. It, it's a fun little action-packed scene where I definitely, like, Kiki should hit her head at least once or twice. But she's a witch, so perhaps the magic kind of helped them out, you know? Maybe she used the Force. It's like, you know, it's like in Star Wars when anything is not making 100% sense. Like, oh, you know, so-and-so should have died here. So-and-so should have did this. It's the Force. The Force saved them. It's always the Force. It's movie magic, kids. Mm -hmm. Indeed. So um, Tombo and Kiki are, like, hanging out at the beach, and they're, like, getting along really well. They sit by this uh, 
blimp they kind of talk about it earlier on in like a news report in the background i believe the blimp had to do like an emergency landing on the beach and now it's just kind of chilling there and they're fixing it and then eventually it's going to go up in the air and like do like little tours and stuff so they're sitting by the blimp and they're talking and they're chatting and they're flirting and they're having a grand old time as buddies old pals and then a bunch of other kids in a car come by and Tombo goes over to talk to them and he tries to call Kiki over and she's like no I'm good bye and she kind of leaves and it is kind of sudden and Tombo's like well, what's the matter you know but I think in that moment when the kids came over and they kind of just like they all seemed so like normal and happy and without a care in the world you know it it kind of made her feel like an other again and well, she kind of snapped out of her nice little moment with Tombo. Well, I I also thought it was because Tombo didn't bring her over, and she's kind of like the old-fashioned thing. Like, she should have been brought over from the beginning and been like, hey, this is my friend Kiki. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's also part of it, too. So this is kind of where we get the big issue of the movie. The next morning, after this kind of bad and shitty interaction with Tombo and his friends... Kiki sees Gigi and he's just meowing at her and she can't understand him talking and she kind of freaks out and she tries to fly on her broomstick and realizes she can't she falls flat on her ass when she tries to fly and then she realizes that her powers are gone Uh, I was thinking the whole time I was going to bring up what we have here is a failure to communicate oh <laughs> but uh, essentially what happened here is that uh we did have a failure to communicate but we also had a failure of confidence a uh, mojo as austin powers would uh, say you know mm. she she has lost her mojo and now she cannot do the magic all bad things yes this is probably her her lowest point in the in the film so because she can't fly anymore and because she is just incredibly depressed, she decides, you know, perhaps I should take a break from this delivery work. Me, a 13-year-old girl doing labor for myself, living completely on my own. Perhaps I should take a break from my full-time job as a delivery woman. Tombo at one point tries to call Kiki and it's like the most depressing phone call you ever did here in your life because he literally just jabbers on and on for 20 minutes about how he's gonna ride in the blimp and she just listens to him like please don't call anymore and then hangs up the phone it's like so sullen and depressing she is in a very bad place but who comes and visits her Ursula (laughs) not the sea witch (laughs) But the lady that was the painter, artist from before. Who lives in the woods. Indeed, indeed. They have a nice chat and, um, you know, she sees that Kiki's a little depressed. So she offers to have Kiki come and stay with her at the cabin for a couple of days, maybe to cheer her up. And um, they go out to the cabin. Ursula shows Kiki this painting that she did that was inspired by Kiki. It's essentially a night sky with a girl flying through the night on a flying horse. It's a dope-ass painting. I've always tried to, like, find it over the years, and I never could, like, to buy and, like, have it, but I've never, I could never find it. But um, the cool thing about it is they really focus on it for a while. There is some, like, very soft... uh, instrumental music over it but it is kind of like a quiet ish moment where you just kind of focus on this painting and really sit with kind of Kiki's connection to it and Kiki's emotions towards it and 
it's nice. Well, th- and there is one thing I do want to bring up here. It's not it has nothing to do with the movie, but I always wondered how meta weird it is for animators to animate people drawing. <laughs> that is kind of weird, yeah. Because they're drawing the picture of somebody drawing. Of somebody drawing. I'm like, is th- does that have to be weird for so- that guy? Like, ugh. Yeah, it's, I can see it being weird. So they have like a nice conversation like throughout the night. And um, Ursula kind of compares what Kiki is going through with her powers to her having uh like artist block and how like uh she loves to paint and she loves to draw but her brain just wouldn't compete wouldn't get there because she was thinking about it too hard and stressing about it too hard so maybe you know kiki is kind of trying too hard and she's she's trying too hard to make something happen that should just be coming naturally instinctually to her you know which it does make some sense because if you if you can't do something that you feel like you should be able to do, you get self-doubt and you lose confidence and then that makes the whole process worse. So it's like it, it's definitely a good deep dive, this whole movie into just the art of growing up and maturing. You could say if a sports term, Kiki has the yips. Sure. What what does that mean particularly in in terms of sport? Because you know, I don't do the sporty sport. Uh, so there was a player called Chuck Knobloch, who played second base and suddenly could not throw to first base to get people out. He would just throw like randomly all over the place. <laughs> okay. And it should be like a thing people have been doing, especially him, probably since he was like eight years old, and suddenly he couldn't do it. <laughs> And it was like a big thing. He had the yips. Interesting. So, yeah, Kiki has the yips. Let's go with that. Um, (laughs) So, basically, the way they leave off their little visit, her and Ursula is like, you know, Kiki, you have to find your inspiration. You have to trust your inner spirit, you know, all that good stuff. And she ends up going back to Koriko with a kind of a little bit lighter and, you know, a little more hopeful that things are going to work out. So she goes to visit uh, Debbie Reynolds again and like hang out with her and see if she needs anything. And they see a news report on the television. And oh Scott God. had a moment. Okay, so Debbie Reynolds lady has this like other old woman that lives in the house with her. That's kind of like her assistant. And I think she's voiced by Edie McClurg, which is hilarious. But because uh, she's also been on a few episodes of Shoot the Flick as well. But Scott had like a whole ass moment with just like the tiniest little expression she did. Just so, tell <laughs> so there's so there's this again in Snooze report, the blimp is going into the air, but something goes wrong and like chaos ensues. And <laughs> this old lady is like, Oh, something really bad happened and then she smiles and I died. Because it's like <laughs> she's like she's like any bitch nowadays that likes watching like reality shows. Like, she's like, ooh, something bad's happening. Well, like either that or like true crime stuff. It made oh me yeah, too. yeah, that's true. Like it's just like it's such a weird little detail, but because it, 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 she smiles at this like thing, I'm like, and I start dying. 
It's so fucking... Frankie looked at me like, what are you laughing about? We had to rewind it because I didn't know what he was laughing at. I think I was like writing notes at the time, so I didn't see it the first time. So we had to rewind it. And then I, of course, started busting out laughing. (laughs) Because it's so insane. Oh my God, I'm so good. Because believe it or not, I mean, Scott laughed just as loudly the second time as he did the first time, which is, you know, it's a feat. Not much can get Scott to laugh uproariously two times in a row for the exact same thing. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Uh, but, oh, uh, yeah, so the blimp starts going haywire and crazy. People are trying to hold the blimp so it doesn't fly away. But, of course, the blimp starts to fly away. And who's the only fucking person that holds on to the goddamn rope? Tombo! Fucking Tombo. You're way too hard on Tombo. No, I actually not. I really did like Tombo. It's just like, Tombo, why are He's you holding like the, the rope? He's like the sweetest kid. <laughs> why are you Because he wants to fly, Scott. He wants to save the blimp. Of course, Kiki sees this on the TV and freaks out. And she goes running off to try and help. And uh, this next portion of the movie is like, obviously, the climax. It's the best fucking part of the whole movie. So... One thing that I want to mention at this point, she runs down there to where the blimp is at, right? And we get this moment where Tombo is holding on for dear life. The fucking captain of the blimp is just like, hold on, sonny boy. And it's like, it's a hot mess. So Kiki then proceeds to steal a broom from a street sweeper man. And they have this really like powerful moment by the way as a kid when i was watching this i remember just feeling so hyped like oh my god she's gonna save him like it's you know it it was like the highest of high stakes when you're like you know 10 years old watching this movie so kiki steals the street sweeper's broom and they have this really awesome epic silent moment where she is just in full concentration with this fucking shitty ass little broom and trying to like get herself hyped to fly and i love that because a a a big part of a lot of miyazaki's films is those silent moments and one of the big differences between like this movie and the japanese version of it is that there were like little additions and changes to the score and sound effects here and there but because of that we didn't have nearly as many silent moments in the english version in this dub so it's it's really this big one here and then there's another big one but literally kiki is standing there with the broom and she just whispers to herself fly and then runs and then goes off into the sky and of course this is like not a a witch approved faa approved broom right so she's struggling she's batting back and forth and the broom's going a little nuts but she's she's managing to get there which she does at one point as she is talking to the broom and does say come on like focus broom i'm like do brooms have personalities in this world I don't know. Like, I think she's just talking out of frustration at this point. And if, if they do, I mean, this broom is clearly a novice. This broom has never been hundreds of feet in the air before. I mean, it, Kiki's delivery service would have been a dope-ass ride at, like, Disneyland or something. Because, like, literally, it's just a, it just free-falls her randomly at random times and then... I feel like it would be real easy to get sick. It's like the mouse... Attached it's, to, like, the yeah. Haunted Mansion. It's literally the mouse plus the Haunted Mansion plus Tower of Terror all in one ride. 
<laughs> oh my god but um kiki gets to tombo and they have this really like dramatic will she won't she save him because she keeps flitting around him and like he's reaching out to her and she's reaching out to him and they can't seem to get it together and tombo falls <gasps> and she catches him oh, that's, the, that's yes. the other silent moment that's like <gasps> Because there's this, like, a bunch of people standing around screaming, doing nothing to help these people. And these two, these two children dangling in the air. And <laughs> there's, like, a news reporter standing there just, like, narrating everything. Oh, these two children. Oh, he's he's dangling. He's hanging on the edge, dangling for his life. Oh, there's this, there's a little girl. A witch. She's going to say, oh, no. No, she's not. It's like, oh, my God. Shut up. <laughs> why don't you can anyone do something useful other than yell like have an adult do something useful but yeah we, we get two really powerful silent moments here which just makes the climax of this movie like just shoot to the top of ki especially kids just like anxiety like <gasps> everyone's silent in the theater will she catch him <gasps> she does yay he's saved and and they come nicely down to the ground and suddenly, everyone's like, oh, oh, my God. And then Gigi runs through the crowd, pops onto Kiki's sh shoulder, and speaks. She, he does speak. He says out loud, like, t in a talky voice, meow. And it's like, okay, Gigi, you sassy bitch, shut up. But it's funny because this is the... I feel the biggest difference between the Japanese version and the English dub but it's it's interesting because while these two things are different that happen right here at this moment, they're both basically saying the same thing as far as the messaging of the movie. So let me explain. So in this version, when Gigi comes up to Kiki at the very end and jumps on her shoulder, Gigi does talk to Kiki and they can speak to each other again because, you know, Kiki's got her mojo back and everything is good and she's grown up and she's matured and she's a real witch now because she took on all normal teenage adversities along with witchly adversities and saved the day. She believes in herself. Indeed. You know, a wonderful message for a children's movie. Now, in the Japanese version... At the end of the film, Kiki still can't talk to Gigi. She, Gigi just meows, and that's, like, really meows, and that's, that's how the movie ends. And the reason for that, if I'm understanding it correctly, is that they establish in the Japanese version that Gigi isn't really talking to Kiki. Gigi is a real cat, obviously, but Kiki is imagining their conversations, Gigi is essentially like an imaginary friend kind of for Kiki and the fact that she can't talk to him anymore even at the end of the movie means that she has grown up and matured and she's she's a growing woman now and she has no time for nonsense she's a witch and she's hot shit and she just saved the day and she's cool and like both things say the same thing so it's fine. I personally prefer the version where Gigi talks because I just love Gigi and I love his relationship with Kiki. And I just, I don't love the idea that Gigi just is a fake imaginary friend or like at least their conversations are fake. Like it, it's magic. We can't have a talking cat in the magic movie. It's got to be a fake friend. No, let's make it a real fucking talking cat. Why not? Why not? Which do you prefer? Let us know in the comments. If anyone says they don't prefer Gigi being Gigi, 
I'm going to fight you. Because Phil Hartman slash Gigi put is down, the shit. Put down your address and your social security oh, number. No. <laughs> Why would we put down your social... <laughs> so I can steal all your money and beat you up. So yeah. And then we get the closing credit song by Sydney Forrest called Guess What Guys? I'm gonna fly. Cause gonna fly now? What? Cause no. Oh, no. That no. would have been that would have been interesting, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> Just picture that over the end credits animation. <laughs> fly the stairs starts shadow boxing for no reason <laughs> oh wait who would be her mickey tombo <laughs> tombo would have like just a towel over him <laughs> and like a shitty sweatsuit <laughs> at all times kiki you got a crap lightning oh my god i gotta go <laughs> okay so um that was Kiki's delivery service, a childhood treasured favorite. Oh, wait, wait we forgot that Tombo created the plane. Uh, oh, yeah, he did kind of make the like Wright Brothers flying machine, didn't he? At yeah. The en- in the end credits uh, song, yeah, in the animation. Yeah, basically the movie ends like with a, a narration where Kiki's writing a letter to her parents and she says, all is well, bye. And that's the end of the movie. So happy ending for all. So that was Kiki's delivery service. Like I said, you know, very uh, baby's first Ghibli movie. But Scott, what did you think about Kiki's delivery service? I think it's a lot of fun. It's cute. It's fun. I ripped on Tombo a little bit, but Tombo's Tombo's a good good boy. He is. He's a, he's a sweet boy. He's a goofball, but he's a good boy. Yeah. Well, some might say that about you as well, Scott. Well, yes, that is true. But it's a fun, it's a cute movie. If you want to get more into Miyazaki films, this is a good place to start. Yeah. Um, especially if you have kids. Yeah, especially because kids. no kid is gonna want to sit through like two and a half hours of environmental messaging and like all the poignancy that comes with Miyazaki that is probably gonna go over some kids' heads. <laughs> this this can get you a little stepping stone into that world. This and then probably Totoro would be your next one. Totoro, yeah, Totoro is fun because Totoro is a cute one. It's it's longer than Kiki, but it's it's still cute. Uh, but it's a fun movie. Kiki's a fun character. Honestly, all the characters are kind of fun, and you know they're goofy and stuff. And it's a but it's a fun time. And for whatever was what it an hour forty four or whatever? Yeah, it really was like short. It flies. It by. really flies. Yeah, but I mean that's good too for a kids movie in general to have like a short runtime. But speaking of kids movies, did you hear that fucking the Minions movie like ate Morbius for breakfast like, in the box office? Is that not the saddest thing you've ever heard? Well, the Minions. The, it's funny cause the, oh, because, you know, anybody should be able to eat a Minion, but, you know. I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I mean, I have yet to see Morbius. I don't want to anymore. Well, the thing is... Thi- I don't want to watch it. The thing is, like... I, we're getting off topic again, sorry. It's fine. We're, we're going to get to our ratings in a hot minute, but we're going to just talk about our non-Morbius review for a second. <laughs> it's... Because Morbius is such a f- interesting character. Is he, though? 
in spite in the Spider-Man lore, Morbius is a fucking great character. Uh, well, I mean, they're not really, you know, doing but, a great job. Don't they have Blade? Isn't isn't Morbius just a fucking vampire? He is, but they he, have Blade. But y- yes, but I Mor- prefer Blade, please, Mahershala well, Ali. Well, no, Blade is a better character. Hurry. But Morbius is like a tragic character. And that's oh, that's what his Lord. That's what he's supposed to be, and it's just supposed to be like a tragedy. This is this is the problem. Sony has to stop trying to do this by themselves. The only way it worked out was when you like you know had Marvel holding your hand with fucking Tom Holland Spider Man. You can't keep trying to go off the grid, Sony. Well, they're going to keep trying because that's what they do because they own all the rights to all those characters. And there's so many great Spider-Man characters that it just, it's sad. But, ah, uh, digress. But so, they're going to but they're gonna make another Venom movie, I'm sure. Yeah. Hell, they'll probably make another Morbius movie and just make it dumb on purpose, hoping that people will watch it well, to, Venom, like, hate watch it, well, which is why they re-released it in the first place, which didn't fucking work out. I, I can't. Well, Venom was in the MCU now, so it's fine. Um, oh, God. Well, no, just but it's probably going to be a different Venom, so it's okay. I mean, okay, I don't even, I don't understand. I mean, eventually for our Marvel series, we're going to do Spider-Man Homecoming. And I was trying to research the Sony Marvel fuckery, and I just like, I was like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Just sell it. Just sell it and be done. They'll pay literally whatever you want. Fucking start at a billion dollars and they'll probably pay it. Just sell it. It's not working. Do it! Just do it! Yeah, it's never going to happen. So, but back to Kiki. Yes, let's talk about nicer things. Peaceful, lovely, happy Miyazaki movie. Ah. But yes, I have Kiki as a four out of five. It is, again, it is a cute, fun movie. And I honestly think... You could, it just if you put it on, dub or n- normal, you'd have a good time and it's just enjoy yourselves. I agree. I also have it as a four out of five. Uh, it's just incredibly cute and sweet and lovely, and you can enjoy it as a kid and as an adult, which is the trademark, you know, seal of approval on kids' movies in general. And uh, I'm glad that we have finally, you know broken the cap on animated films now now we can just get an influx of animated films on the on the show which is great i'm excited howard the duck 2 no oh. that wasn't an animated no. film howard the duck it had a terrible 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 puppet which we won't be discussing ever again but titanic 2 um, that's not no you're talking about the are you talking about the one with the animated dog that the wraps rap, yeah the rapping oh dog God, no there is a titanic 2 though that's live action it exists. So next week, Scotty is going to be showing me a movie. And uh, I'm excited to see it because it's kind of uh, an iconic action film. And it's starring our boy Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah. We got to bring Harrison back in. I'm, I miss Harrison. It's been a minute. It- I just finished watching the Obi-Wan show. So, like, I, I got some feels towards, like having uh you know old star wars back in my life so obviously i missed the han solo man yes he is he's in this one 
There's also another famous star in this, but I won't tell you that one. Oh, we'll have to leave it open for the audience. Anyway, until then, this has been Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our witchy, magical movie adventure. I believe I can fly. No, no, no. Stop it. Hakiki is a party for calming all your nerves. We're spilling tea and dishing just desserts one may deserve. And though the sun is rising...